praise God. Well, you can be seated tonight. I'm so excited I get to sh the privilege of sharing the word with, with you tonight. Woohoo! I'm excited. And um, it's a simple message, but one that I believe will encourage you wherever you are in your walk with the Lord. And um, I want to just share um, a funny little story with you. Once there was a, a man named Bob, a man named Dave, and a man named Steve. And they had just come out of these really awesome revival meetings at church. And they were debating about signs and wonders and miracles. And they decided to go on a hike. And so as they were walking along, there was this uh, river that began to grow in size. And they knew that some, at some point they were going to have to get across the river. And so they stopped on the side of the river and they said, you know, we just, uh, you know, I, I'm going to pray and ask God to, to do a miracle for me. I'm going to ask him to give me strength to go across that river. And so Bob, hopefully I can remember all their names. Bob says, prays and he says, oh God, would you give me strength to go across this river? And so all of a sudden he like got really big legs and the Lord gave him strength and he kind of went across the river and it was really raging and really uh, uh, very fast and everything. And, and he almost slid away, you know, floated away, but he managed to get across and he was like, yay, praise God on the other side. Next, that was Bob, right? <laughs> Next, Steve comes along and he's like, God, would you give me strength and, and, and power? Give me more power than him to get across this river. And once again, he, uh, Steve decides, okay, he goes in the water, his quads are all ripped, he's already goes through the water, and he got by so much better than Steve, and he got on the other side, and he's all, yeah, that's right. They're like, yeah, signs and wonders and miracles. And who's the last one? Bob? Dave, right? Dave. <laughs> I get their names mixed up. <laughs> and Dave says, Lord, please give me wisdom to get across this river. And all of a sudden, he turns into a woman, finds a map in his hand, finds out that there's a bridge up the thing, walks up there, walks across the river on the bridge. Amen. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no offense to the men. I'm just teasing, but I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> and his name became Davina. Amen? Where are you, Davina? I don't know if you're here tonight, but <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going to talk to you tonight on five ways that you can grow in prayer, and I'm going to be just kind of transparent with you. I hope you don't mind tonight. Uh, I have true confessions of a pastor's wife. Uh, I'm going to probably say something that is going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're talking about that. Anybody ever had problems with their prayer life? Hello? Yes. Okay, so I'm a pastor pastor's wife, been in ministry for 20 years, and I still wrestle. In fact, that has been the greatest area of difficulty in my spiritual life. I don't hear too many people talk about that, but I just decided I'm going to expose it, and God's going to help me to get better at it. Amen? <laughs> Amen. So, you know, my picture of prayer came from when I was a child, and occasionally we would go to uh, no offense, mom and dad, or no dad's in heaven watching, but mom, if you're online, I'm sorry about this, but we would go to church on Christmas and Easter, so you can guess where that might have been, and um, I would fall asleep at the most reverent of moments of prayer, and I just, I dreaded it. It was like, oh my gosh, God, help me, and then 
you know, and so we grew up doing that year by year, not every year, but sometimes skip a few years. And then I ended up being, some of you know my story, I ended up being in a cult. And in that cult, we, they really, it was a new age type of thing. And they really focused on meditation. And oh my gosh, I just thought I am going to die. Everything in the spiritual life about like sitting there and being quiet and like just, oh my gosh, I hated it. It was the bane of my existence when I was in that thing. I hated meditation. And so when I got saved, I was just thinking, and I started hearing about people talking about prayer. I was like, oh no, <laughs> what, 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 what now? And uh, so anyway, I'm confident that if tonight... Uh, I have struggled with some of these different things that no matter, like I said, where you are in your walk with the Lord, whether you've been praying and talking to God for 50 years or just you got saved last week, that this might be a word of encouragement for you. Amen? Well, um, even as we come to the end of this 21-day fast tomorrow, woo-hoo, we get to have chocolate uh, <laughs> and cookies and stuff. Okay, just kidding. But, um, you know, I want to also encourage you to keep on praying and, and grow in prayer as we continue with that, right? Okay, so five keys. The first key is remember that it's about relationship, right? Can you say that? It's all about relationship. Look to the neighbor on your right and say, it's about relationship, right? Now look to the other person on the other side and say, it's about relationship, right? So relationship, and when you're in a relationship with somebody, you talk to them, right? Do you talk to them? Right. So it's the same thing. Simply, simply put, prayer is talking to God, right? In a two-way conversation, not one way where you're all doing all the talking. You've been around somebody who does all the talking before, and you don't get to get a word in edgewise, right? That's no fun. But uh, it's about a relationship, a two-way conversation, a place of abiding in his presence. My son plays Xbox with all, a bunch of your sons online, <laughs> uh, 2K basketball, and he's got one of those headphone things on. At random times, I'll hear him burst into laughter or just start talking, and I'm like, what? And it's kind of like, you know, that, talking to the Lord, that abiding type of relationship. And uh, I have... Uh, a scripture, which is uh, Exodus 25. I love this. I love the book of Exodus. I encourage you to go and like read it sometime. I have a couple um, slides that I'm going to have those guys put up. Is that you, Amy, back there? I can't see. Hi, Amy. <laughs> if you could, if you guys got those slides back there. I'm just putting these slides up. Um, this is a picture of the tabernacle of Moses when they were out in the wilderness. This is the big picture of it with the in the enclosed areas where the holy place and the holy most holy place is and I'm just putting that up for people who are not familiar with what I'm talking about in case you're not I am so fascinated by this it is so fascinating like when I read about it I just want to cry because and I do it just moves me so much God wanted so much he created us and wanted so much to be in relationship that he provided a means he's so holy but that he had to provide a means for us to be able to have a relationship. So he told Moses in Exodus 25, build me a tabernacle so that I can come and dwell among men. Of course, later on, Jesus became, you know, the way that he dwelt among us. Um, but I want you to just look at that real fast as I just begin to talk about that. So uh, that's the tabernacle of Moses. And you see that kind of, there's a guy dressed in white, the priest right there. And right there, that is the altar of burnt sacrifice, okay? And so that's where they would slaughter the animals, 
and um, burnt offering. God would come and consume it, and it was on fire all the time. And then what would happen from there is that the priest, after he washed his hand in that little bowl, he would walk into the holy place. Okay, so the holy of holies. Can you show that second screen for me, Amy? All right, so he would walk into behind this curtain, and um, on the left side, that's the lampstand, and they're not really exact, scholars aren't exactly sure exactly what it looked like, so they kind of made it in the form of a menorah. Um, and, on, and that would be on the south side of the tabernacle, or of, of the holy place. And then on the north side would be the table of the showbread. And I'm not going to talk about those two things tonight because that's, those are very in-depth things. But I do want to say that that little box straight ahead, you, sorry, right there. You guys see it, right? When I'm pointing there, I'm talking about up there. That little golden box, which was about three feet tall and about one and a half feet on all the sides, was called the golden altar of incense. And that place, what would happen is the priest would walk in it's a review for some of you, but the priest would walk in. He would um, actually go to the, the, um, where they did the sacrifice and grab coals from the altar where they, the burnt offerings. And those coals he would take in in a pan and then bring it over to the golden altar. Incense would be put on that. And that incense would come, uh, fill the, the smoke from it would fill the entire room of the holy place. And it has, uh, it's, it's, it's totally amazing. So the sacrifice, the coals from the sacrifice would be brought in. And then that, the, 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 those prayers would go forth from right there. Okay. And so there's a lot of um, practical reasons why they burn that incense. Can you imagine what it would have been like being around the tabernacle outside in the outer courts where all those animals were getting slaughtered and there's carcasses and there's blood and there's it's a very messy thing and it's in the desert even more so hot of course there's no flies right I don't know anyway and then um but it's it, I mean, imagine that the smell would be pretty strong so one of the practical reasons that that incense was burnt was because it kind of alleviated that smell helped with that smell the second thing is, symbolically, it represented the prayers of God's people. The incense from the golden altar produced an aroma that was pleasing to the Lord. King David wrote it in one of his prayers, uh, Psalm 142, May my prayer be counted as incense before thee, the lifting up my, of my hands as the evening offering. In the New Testament, uh, prayers are also represented uh, as incense. In Revelation 5.8, you might be familiar with that passage right there? It says, and when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The smoke of the incense represented the prayers of God pe God's people, and they went up to the throne. Because of this, Aaron and his sons were to burn incense throughout the day, as it says in Exodus 30, verse 7 through 8. Uh, I mean, not because of this, but this is, this is the command. This, they're supposed to keep that fire burning. It was up to the priest to keep that fire burning. So, and Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. He shall burn it every morning when he trims the lamp. And when Aaron trims the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense. And there shall be a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generation. The aroma 
The golden altar of incense are the picture of the place of prayer where people come who have been forgiven of their sins. The sacrifice has been made and the forgiveness has taken place and those prayers are able to go up to heaven. Pretty awesome. It's fascinating to me. All right, you can go ahead and take those things down, Amy. I'm not gonna use that third one. And of course, in the New Testament, Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus was the sacrifice. He made the sacrifice. His blood was shed. And he is the great high priest who went behind into the Holy of Holies and, and only had to go once, so no other sacrifices had to be made. And we could come boldly before his throne to find grace and help time of need. Amen? Everybody say, it's all about relationship. Charles Spurgeon says, the very invitation to us to pray implies that there are blessings waiting for us at the mercy seat. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. It's all about relationship, right? The first thing, key number one, remember, it's all about relationship. Number two, we have, if, you, if you wanna grow in prayer, you probably have to learn how to pray. I know some of you are like major prayer warriors and you've been praying and doing all this stuff for years, but there are those who are not. So I'm gonna encourage you and let you know there are, there are methods, there's many different ways to pray. And Jesus models it throughout the New Testament, right? Prayer is also, you know, prayer, God uses us to bring his kingdom to earth. If you look in um, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, the Lord's Prayer says, Your, uh, Our Father, if you know it, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And so we'll stop right there. He uses people to bring his kingdom to the earth, right? And Jesus modeled, I mean, I think he was uh, like the perfect picture of praying continually. You know how it says, I can't remember where that was, but it says, is in Thessalonians or something where it says, it says to pray continually. Jesus prayed before they broke bread. He prayed for the, before he healed sick people. He prayed alone. He prayed with people. He prayed with the three. He prayed with the 12. He prayed, I mean, the guy, he, Jesus was always praying, always talking, always communing with the Father. So um, in order for repentance, uh, revival, healing, or outpouring, guess what needs to take place? People need to learn how to pray. Before there's an outpouring of the Spirit, people need to learn to pray. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, what were they doing? They were praying, right? So during times of national crisis and disaster, it's a time to learn how to pray. So there's all kinds of different methods, like I said. Um, intercession, petition, um, personal uh, just personal devotion. There's harp and bowl style, which we love. I, I love. It's one of my personal favorites where there's a, mix, a mixture of worship with then prayer goes forth. Uh, you know, take a pause and start praying. That's like one of my favorite things to do. There's so many things. You need to resource yourself. There's so many books on prayer. And, uh, the, but I have to say that above the books, read the Bible. The Bible's filled with people who pray. You can learn just by reading your Bible. You don't even need to buy books. I was reading books out my ears, and I still was so frustrated with my prayer life. I, it's like I, I was so excited about prayer. Yeah, prayer, prayer, but I didn't actually do it. You know, talked about it and, and wanted to be this great person of prayer, but never really did it. So, uh, you know, there's prayers of the Apostle Paul that you study the prayers of Jesus. I challenge you. It's so fascinating. It's everywhere. Amen. So, you know, for me, my experience is that prayer is caught rather than taught. 
And I'm so thankful, uh, you know, my first experience with uh, being a Christian that we ha I have my senior pastor, Dr. James Morocco, was a man who modeled prayer. He modeled prayer. He instructed us in prayer. He did it every day. You know, he gets up at 3.30 in, in the morning every day to go to prayer. Every day he gets up. His prayer starts at 5 o'clock. Isn't it 5 o'clock? Yeah, five, something like that. I can't remember. I, we don't do that early here. But, um, you know, he models it. He instructs it. He actually demands it of his staff. We will be a people of prayer. He understood the importance and encouraged us in the same way. And so through his prayer and his impartation and the discipline of having to do it, even though at times I just was like, oh, my gosh, it's so boring. I'm just confessing. I'm confessing <laughs> that I would get bored sometimes because I don't know what I was doing. But over years and years and years, I feel like it's been caught um, rather than having somebody teach me. And uh, the other ministry that I really love is um, the International House of Prayer. I love about 18 to 19 years ago, we found them and they are very... Um, they do the harp and bowl type of worship, and they, they're a prayer and devotion, and they sing with the word, and I just really love that. And they have, a, have had a house of prayer going for, I think, 20 years straight now, which is something that we're going to endeavor to do. You know, we're building our church, a giant prayer room, right, in there, in the new church, so that'll be exciting. Amen. So you have to learn how to pray. Amen. Look at your somebody near you and say, it's caught, not taught. Ready, go. It's caught, not taught. <laughs> right. So we got to learn to pray. It's caught and not taught. All right. Well, the main, or the third main key is that you need to commit. Everybody say commit. You just got to make a commitment to do it. It is, you have to make an intentional time and an intentional commitment to be in prayer. Uh, you know, I don't know if any of you have had this problem, but I've talked to people on the phone or I've t tried to, to have a conversation with certain people in my life and they're on their phone. And, you know, I'm sorry, husband or kids or whoever, and they're just looking at the front of you like trying to have a face-to-face -face conversation. When you're in prayer, unless I, I'm, I'm speaking to myself to put your phone down. How is it having a conversation when not, that person's not paying attention to you? It's not a conversation. Just saying. You know, it doesn't have to be the phone. Maybe it's the television. Maybe it's the computer. Maybe it's a newspaper. Maybe it's a book. Whatever it is, you want conversation. And all the ladies said, amen. No offense. But, uh, you know, I know that is something. <laughs> right? <laughs> so you have to make a plan. It's the most important meeting of your day. It's the first thing, unfortunately, that goes. Uh, when you get busy, when you get sick, when your kids are upset, when you have to go to work every single day, it goes out of the window in place of going to the gym. Hello. I mean, you know, uh, it goes out the window first. I don't know why. I, I mean, I'm so weak in that area. I, Jesus, help me. I'm just being real. And so, you know, one of the things I find fascinating is that, you know, the times of prayer for the Israelites was the morning and the evening. You know the story about David and Goliath? When did Goliath come out? He came out in the morning and the evening. And I'm convinced the enemy will do everything that he can to keep you from prayer. To keep you from prayer. I know that's the hardest place I told you that I've struggled in my life. I am constantly wrestling with God about that and my own flesh. Amen. We just sometimes don't feel like it. 
uh, E.M. Bounds. I'm not sure if you know who he is, but he was a great man of God, wrote lots of books on prayer. He's a Methodist pastor in the 1800s. He said that spiritual work is taxing work, and men are loath to do it. Praying, true praying, cost and outlay of serious attention and time, which flesh and blood do not relish. Amen. Everybody say amen. All right. So we have to make a commitment to pray. Key number four is that you have to deal with strongholds. You got to deal with strongholds. I'm talking about trusting God when there's delay. Trusting God when the prayer that you're praying doesn't happen ever. Trusting God. A stronghold is a way of thinking that's impregnated with hopelessness that's contrary to the, what the word of God says. And I think that's the biggest issue, the biggest stronghold that we have is the problem of delayed prayer or unanswered prayer. Is that we, it, it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick and different things like that. You know, maybe you've been praying in this place a long time for something. Maybe you've been believing God and uh, maybe you've been believing for healing and you haven't seen anything and nothing's happened. And there's just this growing upset, this frustration, like, you know, I, I believe the word, but why, you know, it's not really working. I'm going to just tell you uh, my, a very brief story um, about my, my life. And, um, you know, God was dealing with me. I was really excited about the Lord. It was pretty early on in my walk. And, you know, I was learning about prayer. I was in the word. I was committed. I was going to early morning prayer. I was going to the different prayer times and struggling in prayer. And, you know, I suddenly realized, you know, God is not really answering my prayers the way I want. And he's not really answering them when I want. And my heart started to kind of get offended at God. Anybody experienced that before? Yeah, my heart started to get offended with God. And it's kind of like being that parent when you're trying to teach your, teach your child to ride a bike without training wheels. I feel like that's kind of like the place I was. I was trying to start having my faith go without training wheels. You know, there's that season where you're always right there and the kid's got the training wheels on and all that, right? Uh, and then there's a time where the parent just has to let go of that kid and let them ride the bike and they fall. Or, and then they got to get up and you run after them to try not to let them fall, but they fall nonetheless. And uh, that's kind of where I was at. And my heart became offended with God. And I literally, I mean, I started getting more and more of an attitude. This is while I'm sitting on the front row in training. My husband's in training to become a pastor. We're doing visitation. We're on the Connect team. We're in, overseeing an entire district of like 1,500 people. We're, this is me sitting on the front row, angry at God, offended at God because he's not doing what I want. He gave me a scripture, you know, not long after that. Hannah was just a little itty-bitty newborn baby. He gave me a scripture. I can't remember the address, but it basically says, don't be like the horse or the mule who have to have a bit or a bridle to make them go the direction that you want. And then on the same day, because I was still reading my Bible, but all my Bible verses that I got and turned to were things like that. <laughs> He's trying to get my attention. I got scriptures. The next scripture I got was, you know, I, I, I should have looked it up, but he's, it, it was, you know, I wanted to bless Israel basically, but 
you know, they would have none of me. So I gave them over to their selfish desires. That one really scared me. I was like, yikes. Because the conviction inside of me, I knew he was talking to me, but I still didn't know how to help myself out and not be offended. I didn't even repent. I was just, and, and, you know, my husband and I would pray. And he's like, pray. And I said, no, I'm not praying because it doesn't work. I fully got rebellious like that with the Lord. I'm, it's just not working, and I'm not going to pray. And I was stubborn. I kept my mouth shut. And the Lord gave me a picture of myself like a little kid going, Mm. Mm. I'm not doing that, you know? And that's what it was. Well, unfortunately, so during that time, I'd found out Hannah was three months old. I found out I was pregnant. And uh, right around that, about 17 weeks into that pregnancy, I went to get my ultrasound because I'm considered high risk with diabetes and found out that my son had anencephaly, which is the worst case of spina spina bifida that you can have. He didn't have a skull which means his brain wasn't going to form, and he would pass away right after childbirth. And I'll tell you what, that I didn't even know. I I was so shell-shocked when I heard the news of that. I felt guilty, like it was my fault. I mean, I should have been praying. (laughs) You know, I felt guilty. I had every gamut of emotion go on inside of me. I felt guilty. I killed my son because I didn't pray and I was being rebellious. I felt like God hated me. He was angry. He was punishing me. I had every sort of thought that you could think of going through there. And the worst part of all of it was that I did not feel the presence of God. I could no longer feel the presence of God. It was like his presence was already kind of like lifting. It felt like he was hiding his face from me. It was so hard. I went through the rest of the pregnancy, had a C-section at 34 weeks, They cut the cord, and he was gone within 10 minutes. And you've heard Pastor Daniel talk about that. It was so difficult, and I was so numb after that. I was so numb, and I couldn't feel the presence of God. I knew he had left me. 11 months of uh, suffering, feeling like I got ground into the carpet. I'll tell you what, though. God brought me to the place of such humility that I didn't care if I ever had him answer another prayer ever again in my life. I only wanted to feel his presence. I learned, he taught me that he's going to answer his prayers. He's going to do, you know, he, I don't know why all that stuff happened. I don't know why. But there's one thing I know is that God is good. The devil's a liar. The devil's the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I still don't understand that stuff. And I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it because the enemy comes. He accuses God to us. And he accuses us to God when we start feeling angry at God. And then we're, it's just a big, fat mess. And so I know tonight that there's people here that have gone through things like that or are going through them now where your faith has really gone through some stuff because you've had a delay You've struggled with things. You don't understand why God has allowed these things to happen. And that is the big thing that you have to work through. You know, you have to stand on the word of God. You have to contend. You have to believe. I want to just say, just to finish up that story, that God and his awesome faithfulness one day, and Daniel's told, Pastor Daniel said this so many times, he probably, but, you know, I, I, I was continuing, believe it or not, to go to prayer. I was holding on by the little thin skin underneath my fingernails you know that horrible one that sometimes when your nails get too short and it really hurts that one I was holding on to my faith with that 
<laughs> but I'll tell you, that's all it takes because it just takes the faith the size of a mustard seed. That's right. That's all it takes. You just hold on. And I went, I was living across the street from where we had noon prayer. And my good friend, Kim Tong, um, and a bunch of amazing women were having prayer meetings. And I would just continue to go over there every day, even though I just felt dead, completely dead on the inside, just dead for months, months, months. And one day I woke up um, and that whole thing broke off me. And I, I was able to feel the presence of God. And the Lord gave me a vision after that. And I was just sitting there. I was so thankful. It was like spring had come again. And, uh, and he gave me a vision. And I was walking into this dark room. And they're laying on the ground. And there was like a shaft of light coming down. There was a sword on the ground. He's like, you pick up that sword. And you start praying, praying with the word, praying. And I got delivered from that season of hell that I walked through. Amen. God is good. But you have to stand. You have to stand and declare that he's good. You've got to settle it in your heart and in your mind that no matter what, God is always good. The devil is always bad. And he's always the one that steals, kills, and destroys. You know, you have to stand on it. Jesus gave a parable about persevering prayer. I would say that's persevering prayer. Even if you don't feel like you're persevering too much or your prayers are really weak, like, oh God, just help me get through the day. You know, you feel, or maybe you're just contending every single day for 20 years. We're believing for some stuff that's been waiting for 20 years. Persevering prayer. The parable of the unjust judge and the woman who just kept knocking, seeking, acting, uh, asking. And finally he just said, all right, all right. And then it said, the Lord, uh, then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. And then he said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? It's about faith. You've got to have faith that he's good. Look at Abraham. Abraham waited a long time, made a little mistake on the way, right? Got us. No offense, got some Ishmael. There, and I had Ishmael, who's also a son of the promise, but he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Andrew Murray, another great man of God, says, The blessing of such persevering prayer is unspeakable. There's nothing so heart-searching as the prayer of faith. It teaches you to discover and confess, and to give up everything that hinders the coming of the blessing. Everything there may not be that may not be in accordance with the Father's will. It leads to closer fellowship with Him who alone can teach us to pray, to a more entire surrender, to draw near under no covering but that of that uh, but of that but that of the blood and the Spirit. It calls for a closer and more simple abiding in Christ alone. Christian, give God time; He will perfect that which concerns you. Amen. Amen. You've got you've to deal with strongholds. He's always good. Well, and fifth, the final main point that I uh, want to talk about tonight is that you have to keep growing. You have to keep growing in prayer. You cannot give up. Mike Bickle, who is um, uh, one of our favorite, one of my favorite ministers, says, and he just says it so perfectly, so I'll just share it with you. I love it. He says that your prayer life can go from duty which, you know, I'm a Christian. I have a duty. I have to pray. You know, that just boring, dreadful, like, oh, my gosh, I got to go sit there and fall asleep while I'm trying to read my Bible. 
It can go from duty to discipline. It can grow from duty to discipline. And I'll tell you, the discipline of reading your Bible, the discipline of prayer is what carries you when you go through difficulties and trials. So you need to keep that discipline. That's a very important thing. And then it, you can go from duty to discipline to delight. Right? That's Mike Bickle. Duty to discipline to delight. And he says also that it takes God to love God. It takes God to grow in prayer. We can't do it on our own. All we can do is deal with our flesh and make our flesh comply to the habit, to comply, creating a habit of prayer, making ourselves get up when we want to get up. And it's not fun sometimes. You, you know, I mean, when it's 30 below and you don't want to get up to go to prayer at seven, <laughs> that's not even that early. You got to deal with your flesh. And uh, one, I'm trying to remember the guy who said it, but they said, you know, the key, one of the keys to getting up and having great early morning prayers, go to bed. Go to bed. Hello, go to bed at night. Hey, don't make it so hard on yourself, right? <laughs> All right. So don't top, stop praying. Don't quit. Make it a priority in your life. E.M. Bounds, again, says what the church needs. Okay, and I'm going to say men, but it's talking about mankind. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more and more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men, men of prayer. If you hear one thing I say tonight, I want you to hear this, that God desires to meet with you in prayer. He desires to abide with you in that constant conversation all day long. He desires that of you tonight. And, you know, he desired it so much that Jesus came and shed his blood so that we could have free, free access to go before the Father. That is a costly price that I think we forget, myself included, sometimes. Can I get a witness on that? Maybe tonight, you know, I'm going to just ask you to stand to your feet. You know, maybe tonight um, you haven't had your sins forgiven and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. He hasn't washed you clean so that you can come before the Father. Or maybe tonight uh, you're just feeling like you're away from God. You're, you're not feeling as close to him as you were. Maybe you're just not sure and you want to be sure that you're in right relationship with him, that your sins are forgiven. I want to just uh, take a moment in just a second. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you fall into every, any one of those categories. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And we're going to pray just a simple prayer. And you're going to have your sins washed away and your slate wiped clean. And then have full confidence that you can come boldly before God and have right, be in right relationship with him. There's nothing better. It's the peace that, that you, can, you can lie in your bed at night and have peace. I'm so thankful for that gift from God. So why don't you just, um, if, that, if that's any of you tonight, any three of you with people praying and their eyes closed, if, if you fall into any one of those categories, you want to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, 
you're feeling far from God and you want to recommit tonight, or you just want to be sure because you're just not sure and the enemy lies to you and you want to be sure, I want you to just lift your hand up right now so I can see it and I'm gonna, we're just going to agree in prayer. I see that hand. Anybody else tonight? I see that hand over there. I see that hand back there. I see that hand. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, why don't you just repeat after me and everybody, let's just pray together. Just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for my sin. Jesus, I'm asking that you would come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of every sin. Write my name in your book. And I thank you that you rose again from the grave so that I could have a new life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Give the Lord a clap tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, you know, I want to just say that I'm going um, I'm to call you out. And we can do it together because I'm, I'm calling myself. It's call, God calling me out to go deeper. And I'm just going to ask tonight um, if, you know, we have these different prayer times. And I know people have jobs and people have lots of kids. And there's a lot of reasons why people can't come to our, our corporate prayer times. One day we'll have that 24-7 thing going. You can come all night, any time of the day that works for your schedule. Right now we just have corporate times. But I'm going to ask if you... Um, if you want to make a fresh commitment to coming to prayer, to the corporate time of prayer, I'm going to ask you to just come to the front. Just come to the front. If you can come, we have prayer at 6 in the morning and 7 in the morning, Monday through Friday. We have a noon prayer on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We have Saturday morning prayer at 7. And then actually this Friday night, we have a all-night prayer if you're interested. But if you can make a commitment, and there's, there's no... No, um, I understand people can't always come. But if you feel like you want to make a commitment to maybe pray an extra hour a day, can you just raise your hand up? Or that you can commit some time, some time to give the Lord in prayer. I'm just calling people out today. I'm calling you out because the Lord's calling me out and we're going to do it together. We're a church, we're a church family and we're going to do it together. Amen. Well, let me just pray. Let's just agree in prayer right now. Lord, we are so thankful. And you just lift your voices and talk to the Lord. Ask him to help you and give you strength and to stay committed to overcome your flesh. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. And we're so thankful, Jesus, for the price that you paid so that we can have relationship and talk to you. So that we can come to you. So that you can use us, partner with us to bring your kingdom to come on the earth. And Lord, we just right now before you, Lord, we make a fresh commitment to pray, a fresh commitment to prayer. Lord, a fresh commitment to, to grow. Lord, to, to uh, be closer to you, to remember it's about relationship. Lord, to learn more about you. Father, we, we just come before you. We ask even that you'd forgive us for putting other things before you. Lord, putting other things before you in the place of prayer. 
And Lord, I'm asking that you would just come and strengthen us with might. Lord, that you would help us to be mindful of even the tricks of the enemy to keep us from praying. And Lord, that you would take us just even into a new place. We know that it takes you, Holy Spirit, to go into the deep places in God. And we're asking, Holy Spirit, come right now. Even now, just come upon your people. Come on, lift your hands up to the Lord. Come upon your people tonight. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and touch each and every one. Fill them with fresh zeal. Fill them, God, with a gift of hunger. It's a gift from you, God, a gift of hunger and thirst for you and for your presence, for the things of God, for your word. God, give us a, such a hunger, Lord, to you for your word and to be in a fellowship with you. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for doing it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a clap tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I hope you got encouraged tonight at what in prayer. Uh, let's just close and let me bless you as you go tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your people, your amazing, beautiful people. And I pray, God, that you would bless, uh, that you would cause your face to shine upon them. Boy, I can't even remember it right now. Hallelujah. Bless your people tonight as they go. <laughs> Cause your face to shine upon them. <laughs> Lift up your countenance towards them. There we go. And give them peace in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Love y'all. We'll see you this weekend. Oh, Sunday night, we're having a miracle service. So get your faith on. Believe God for miracles. Pastor Daniel will be back on Sunday too. God bless you.